0: Thanks for listening to Classics and Chill. I'm Justine Byrne, and I have a deep love for all things classical. Um, I started this podcast in the spring of 2020 as we quarantined. And uh, as the state of California closes itself down once again in July of 2020, I'm going to continue reading with you. Um, This is not a political podcast, but some of our selections are informed by the zeitgeist, I guess. Um, We are in the middle of the first part of Plato's Republic, so we've been discussing what it means to be just. Um, And I will pick up where we left off. So here we are, um, Thrasymachus and Socrates are discussing whether or not um, justice is to take those political actions that are advantageous to the stronger, and um, that's what we're discussing right now, so I will begin with Socrates speaking. Then you must also think that you have agreed that it is just to do what is disadvantageous to the rulers and those who are stronger whenever they unintentionally order what is bad for themselves. But you also say that it is just for others to obey the orders they give. You're terribly clever, Thishimachus, but it doesn't necessarily follow that it is just to do the opposite of what you said, since the weaker are then ordered to do what is disadvantageous to the stronger. By God, Socrates, said Polemachus, that's quite clear. If you are to be his witness anyway, said Cleodophon, interrupting. Who needs a witness, Polemarchus replied. Thrasymachus himself agrees that rulers sometimes order what is bad for themselves and that it is just for others to do it. That, Polemarchus is because Thrasymachus maintained that it was just to obey the orders of the rulers. He also maintained, Cleodophon, that the advantage of the stronger is just. And having maintained both principles, he went on to agree that the stronger sometimes gives orders to those who are weaker than he is. In other words, to his subjects that are disadvantageous to the stronger himself. From these arguments, it follows that what is to the advantage of the stronger is no more just than what is not to his advantage. But Cleodophon responded, he said that the advantage of the stronger is what the stronger believes to be his advantage. This is what the weaker must do. This is what he maintained the just to be. That isn't what he said, Polemicus replied. Polemachus is always stirring the pot. That makes no difference, Polemicus I said. If Thyshimikus wants to put it that way now, let's accept it. Tell me, Thyshimikus, is this what you wanted to say? The just is? Namely what the stronger believes to be in his advantage whether it is in fact his advantage or not is that what you are to say you mean Um, not at all do you think i'd call someone who is an error stronger at the moment he errs i did think that that was what you meant when you agreed that rulers aren't infallible but liable to error That's because you are a false witness in argument, Socrates. When someone makes an error in the treatment of patients, do you call him a doctor in regard to the very error? Or when someone makes an error in accounting, do you call him an accountant in regard to that very error of calculation? Very error. That's fun to say, actually. Sorry. (laughs) I think that we express ourselves in words that, taken literally, do say that a doctor is an error or an accountant or a grammarian. But each of these, insofar as he is what we call him, never errs, so according to the precise account, and you are a stickler for a precise account, Socrates, no craftsman ever errs. It is when his knowledge fails him that he makes an error, and in regard to that error, then he is no craftsman. No craftsman, expert, or ruler makes an error at the moment when he is ruling, even though everyone will say that a physician or ruler makes errors. It is this loose way that you must also take the answer I gave earlier. But the most precise answer is this. A ruler, insofar as he is a ruler, never makes errors and unerringly decrees what is best for himself and that, what his subject must do. Thus, as I said from the first, it is just to do what is in, in the advantage of the stronger. All right, Thrasymachus, so you think I'm a false witness you certainly are socrates and you think that i asked the question i did in order to harm you in the argument i know it very well but it won't do you any good you'll never be able to trick me and so you can't harm me in that way and without trickery you'll never be able to overpower me in an argument i wouldn't so much as try thashimachus but in order to prevent this sort of thing from happening again define clearly whether it is the ruler and stronger in the ordinary sense or in the precise sense whose advantage you said it is for the just Sorry, let's start that sentence again. Define clearly whether it is the ruler and stronger in the ordinary sense or in the precise sense, whose advantage you said it is just for the weaker to promote as the advantage of the stronger. I mean ruler in the most precise sense. Now practice your harm doing and false witnessing on that if you can. I ask no concessions from you, but you certainly won't be able to. Do you think I'm crazy enough to try to shave a lion or bear false witness against Thershimakis? You've certainly tried to just now that you were a loser in that too. Enough of this, tell me, is it a doctor in the precise sense whom you mentioned before, a moneymaker or someone who treats the sick? Tell me the one who is really a doctor. He's the one who treats the sick. And how about a ship's captain? It is a captain in the precise sense, a ruler of sailors or a sailor? A ruler of sailors. Why shouldn't I think or take into account the fact that he sails in a ship and he shouldn't be called a sailor for that reason for it isn't because of his sailing that he's called a captain but because of his craft in the rule of sailors. That's true and is there something advantageous to each of these that is to bodies of sailors? Certainly. And aren't the respective crafts by nature set over them to seek and provide what is to their advantage? They are. And is there any advantage for each of the crafts themselves, except to be as complete or as perfect as possible? Hmm, what are you asking? I love it. The is like, uh-oh, what are you asking, Socrates? This, if you ask me whether our bodies are sufficient in themselves or whether they need something else, I'd answer, they certainly have needs, and because of this, our bodies are deficient rather than self-sufficient. The craft of medicine now has been discovered. The craft of medicine was developed to provide what is advantageous to a body. Do you think that I'm right in saying this or not? You were right. Now, is medicine deficient? Does a craft need something further as virtue, as eyes are in need of sight or ears of hearing, so that the, another craft is needed to seek and provide what is advantageous to them? Does a craft itself have similar deficiency so that each craft needs another to seek out what is to its advantage? That's the same sentence twice, Socrates. A little redundant. And does the craft that does seeking. Does the craft that does the seeking need still another and so without end? Or does each seek what is to its own advantage by itself? Or does it need neither itself or another craft to seek out what is advantageous to it because of its own deficiencies? Or is it that there is no deficiency or error in any craft, That it isn't appropriate for any craft to seek what is to the advantage of anything except that, which is the craft? Aye, aye, aye. And that, since it itself is correct, is without either fault or impurity, as long as it is wholly and precisely the craft that it is. Consider this without the preciseness of language you mentioned, is it so or not? It appears to be so. Medicine doesn't seek its own advantage then, but that of the body. Yes, and horse breeding doesn't seek its own advantage, but that of horses? Indeed, no other craft seeks its own advantage, for it has no further needs, but the advantage of that which is the craft. Apparently so. Now surely, Shushimachus, the crafts rule over and are stronger than the things of which they are crafts. Very reluctantly, he conceded this as well. No kind of knowledge seeks or orders what is advantageous to itself then, but what is advantageous to the weaker, which is subject to it? Tashimic has tried to fight this conclusion, but he conceded it in the end. And after he had, I said, surely then, no doctor insofar as he is a doctor, seeks... Or orders what is advantageous to himself, but what is advantageous to his patient. We agreed that a doctor, in the precise sense, is a ruler of bodies, not a money maker. Wasn't that agreed? Yes. So a ship's captain, in the precise sense, is a ruler of sailors, and not a sailor? That's what we agreed. Doesn't it follow that a ship's captain or ruler wouldn't seek to order what is advantageous to himself, but what is advantageous to the sailor? He reluctantly agreed. So then, Thrasymachus, no one in any position of rule, insofar as he is a ruler, seeks or orders what is advantageous to himself, but what is advantageous to his subjects, the ones of whom he himself is the craftsman. It is to his subjects and what is advantageous and proper to them that he looks. Everything he says and does, he says and does for them. That's timely. When we reached this point in the argument, it was clear that all his account of justice had turned into its opposite, and instead of answering, the said, Tell me, Socrates, do you still have a wet nurse? Oh, them's fighting words. What's this? Hadn't you better answer my questions rather than asking me such things? Because she's letting you run around with a snotty nose and doesn't even wipe it when she needs to. Why, for all she cares, you don't even know about sheep and shepherds. The Shemekes is coming back with the counter argument that is cloaked in trash talk and I am here for it. Just what is it that I don't know? Okay, Socrates is like, come again? All right, you think that shepherds and cowherds seek the good of their sheep and cattle and fatten them to take care of them, looking to something other than the master's good and their own. Moreover, you believe that rulers and cities, true rulers that is, think about their subjects differently than one does about the sheep. And at night and day, they think of something besides their own advantage. You are so far from understanding about justice and what's just about injustice and what's unjust that you don't realize that justice is really the good of another. The advantage of the stronger and the ruler and harmful to one who obeys and serves. Injustice is the opposite. It rules the truly simple and just. It makes it rules do what is to the advantage of the other and the stronger and they make the one they serve happy, but themselves not at all. You must look at it as follows, my most simple Socrates. A just man gets less than an unjust one. First, in their contracts with another, you'll never find when partnership ends that a just partner has gotten more than the unjust partner, but less. Second, in matters relating to a city, when taxes are to be paid, a just man pays more on the same property and an unjust one less. But when the city gives out refunds, a just man takes nothing while an unjust one makes a large profit. Finally, when each of them holds a ruling position in some public office, a just person, even if he isn't penalized in other ways, finds his private affairs deteriorate because he has to neglect them, and he gains no advantage from the public purse because of his justice, that he's hated by his relatives and acquaintances when he's unwilling to do them an unjust favor. The opposite is true of an unjust man in every respect. Therefore, what I said before, a person of great power outdoes everyone else, Consider him if you want to figure out how much more advantageous it is for the individual to be just rather than unjust. You'll understand this most easily if you turn your thoughts to the most complete injustice, the one that makes the doer of injustice happiest and the sufferers of it, who are unwilling to do injustice, most wretched. This is tyranny which through stealth or force, appropriates the property of others, whether sacred or profane, public or private, not little by little, but all at once. If someone commits only one part of injustice and is caught, he is punished and greatly reproached. Such partly unjust people are called temple robbers, kidnappers, housebreakers, robbers, and thieves when they commit these crimes. But when someone, in addition to appropriating their possessions, kidnaps and enslaves their citizens as well, instead of these shameful names, he is called happy and blessed not only by the citizens themselves but but by all who learn that he has done the whole of injustice those who reproach injustice do so because they are not afraid they are afraid of not doing it but of suffering it so socrates injustice if it is on a large enough scale is stronger freer and more masterly than justice and as i have said from the first justice is what is advantageous to the stronger while injustice is to one's profit and advantage shimikis first of all he sounds a little bitter second of all somebody hurt him in the past and i think he's really gonna have to like process those emotions before he can go on to have positive relationships with other people in the future maybe he should do some breath work okay the shimikis his abysmal ontology shall be hopefully refuted by Socrates. But frankly, I don't remember this part from the last time I read it, so uh, we're going to find out together. Having emptied this great flood of words onto our ears all at once like a bath attendant, (laughs) the shimikus intended to leave. But those present didn't let him and made him stay to give an account of what he had said. I, too, begged him to say, and I said to him, After hurling such a speech at us, Thyshimikis, do you intend to leave before adequately instructing us or finding out whether you were right or not? Do you think it a small matter to determine which whole way of life would make the living more worthwhile for all of us? Is that what I seem to you to think, Thyshimikis said? Mm, he's so sassy. Either that, or else you care nothing for us and aren't worried about whether we'll live better or worse lives because of our ignorance of what you say you know. So show some willingness to teach it to us. It wouldn't be a bad investment for you to be the benefactor of a group as large as ours. For my own part, I'll tell you that I'm not persuaded. I don't believe that injustice is more profitable than justice, not even if you give it a full scope and put no obstacles in its way. Suppose that there is an unjust person and suppose that he does have the power to do injustice, whether by trickery or open warfare. Nonetheless, he doesn't persuade me that injustice is more profitable than justice. Perhaps someone here besides myself feels the same as I do. So come now and persuade us that we are wrong to esteem justice more highly than injustice in planning our lives. And how am I to persuade you if you aren't persuaded by what I said just now? What more can I do? Am I to take my argument and pour it into your very soul? Oh, how I felt that way when I've tried to get my point across before. Am I to take my argument and just pour it into your very soul? Socrates' response. Pray, pray, don't do that. But first... Stick to what you've said, and then, if you change your position, do it openly, and don't deceive us. You see themachus that, having to find the true doctor to continue examining the things you said before, you don't consider you didn't consider it necessary later to keep a precise guard on the true shepherd. You think that, in so far as he is a shepherd, he fattens sheep, not looking at what is best for sheep, but what's best for a banquet, like a guest about to be entertained at a feast or to a furniture sale, like a moneymaker rather than a shepherd. Shepherding is concerned only to provide what is best things for the things it is set over, and it is adequately provided with all it needs to be the best when it doesn't fall short in any way of being the craft of shepherding. That's why I thought it necessary for us to agree before that every kind of rule insofar as it rules doesn't seek anything other than what is best for the things it rules and cares for, and this is both of the public and private kinds of rule. But do you think that those who rule cities, the true rulers, rule willingly? I don't think it. By God, Socrates, I know it. eh? Hey. But the Shemekes, don't you realize that in other kinds of rule, no one wants to rule for its own sake, but they ask for pay thinking that their ruling will benefit not themselves, but their subjects? Tell me, doesn't every craft differ from every other in having a different function? Please don't answer contrary to what you believe so that we can come to some definite conclusion. Yes, that's what differentiates them. Differentiates. <laughs> differentiates them. <laughs> and each craft benefits us in its own peculiar way, different from the others. For example, medicine gives us health, navigation gives us safety while sailing, and so on with the others. Certainly. And wage-earning gives us wages, for this is its function? Or would you call medicine the same as navigation? Indeed, if you wanted to find matters precisely as you proposed, even if someone who's a ship's captain becomes healthy because sailing is advantageous to his health, you wouldn't, for that reason, call his craft medicine. Certainly not. Nor would you call wage-earning medicine, even if someone becomes healthy while earning wages. Certainly not. Nor would you call medicine wage-earning, even if someone earns pay while healing. Okay. We are agreed, then, that each craft brings its own peculiar benefit. It does. Then whatever benefit all craftsmen receive in common must clearly result from their joint practice of some additional craft that benefits each of them. So it seems... Thersimachus is totally, like, losing his patience. You can tell by his, like, one-word answers. I feel like I've dated some Thersimachus before. I'm just going to put that out there. And we say that the additional craft in question, which benefits the craftsmen by earning them wages, is the craft of wage earning? Thersimachus reluctantly agreed. Then this benefit... Receiving wages doesn't result from their own craft, but rather, if we're to examine this precisely, medicine provides health, and wage earning provides wages, and house building provides a house, and wage earning, which accompanies it, provides the wage, and so on with the other crafts. Each of them does its own work and benefits the things it is set over, so if wages aren't added, is there any benefit to the craftsman from his craft? (sighs) Apparently, none, said Thersimachus. Hmm. But he still provides a benefit while he works for nothing? Yes, I think he does. Then it is clear now, Thersimachus, that no craft or rule provides for its own advantage. But as we've been saying for some time, it provides an order for its subjects and aims at its advantage, that of the weaker, not of the stronger. That's why I said just now, Thersimachus... That one willingly chooses to rule and take other people's troubles in hand and straightens them out, but each asks for wages, for anyone who intends to practice his craft well never does or orders what is best for himself, at least not when he orders as his craft prescribes, but what is best for his subject. It is because of this, it seems, that wages must be provided to a person if he's going to be willing to rule, whether in the form of money or honor or a penalty if he refuses. "'What do you mean, Socrates?' said Glaucon. "'I know the first two kinds of wages, "'but I don't understand what a penalty you mean "'or how you can call it a wage.' "'Then you don't understand the best people's kind of wages, "'the kind that moves the most decent to rule "'when they are whether they are willing to rule at all. "'Don't you know that the love of honor "'and the love of money are despised, and rightly so?' "'I do. "'Therefore, good people won't be willing to rule "'for the sake of either money or honor.' They don't want to be paid wages openly for ruling and get called hired hands, nor to take wages in secret from their rule and be called thieves. And they won't rule for the sake of honor because they aren't ambitious honor lovers. So if they're to be willing to rule, some compulsion or punishment punishment must be brought to bear on them. Perhaps that's why it's thought shameful to seek to rule before one is compelled to now. One second, Kanye. Let's just hear that Let's just hear that one more time. All right, all right, yay? Perhaps that's why it's thought shameful to seek to rule before one is compelled to. I'm gonna let you finish, Kanye, just uh, think on that. Now, the greatest punishment, if one isn't willing to rule, is to be ruled by someone worse than himself. And I think that it's fear of this that makes decent people rule when they do. They approach ruling not as something good or something to be enjoyed, but as something necessary since it can't be entrusted to anyone better than or even as good as themselves. In a city of good men, if it came into being, the citizens would fight in order to not rule, just as they do now in order to rule. There it would be quite clear that anyone who is really a true ruler doesn't by nature seek his own advantage but that of his subjects, and everyone knowing this would rather be benefited by others than take the trouble to benefit them. So I can't at all agree with the Simicus what justice is the advantage of the stronger, but we'll look further into that at another time. What the Simicus is now saying, the life of an unjust person is better than the life of a just one, seems to be of far greater importance. Which life would you choose, Glaucon? And which of your views do you consider truer? Remember, Glaucon is the um, gentleman hosting this feast. Um, I believe he's the father of Polemicus. Um, he's a little gray in the temples. He's a trusted friend of Socrates. I certainly think that the life of a oh wait is that Glaucon? Wait, let's just figure out who Glaucon is for a second because that might be Cephalus. Let's just do you mind if we just take a moment here to just uh, confirm? Hmm. So Cephalus is the father of Polymachus. I do apologize. Lots of names here. Glaucon is in this party. He's yet to be drawn into the argument. He was traveling with Socrates to the feast when they all got kind of collected by Polymachus to come back to his father's house for dinner. So let's hear what Glaucon has to say. I certainly think that the life of a just person is more profitable. Did you hear all the good things Thershimakis listed a moment ago about the unjust life? I heard, but I wasn't persuaded. Then do you want us to persuade him if we're able to find a way that what he says isn't true? Of course I do. So now the argument is, does the unjust man or woman or the just man or woman live a better life? If we oppose him with a parallel speech about the blessings of the just life, and then he replies, and then we do, we'd have to count and measure the good things mentioned on each side, and we'd need a jury to decide the case. But if, on the other hand, we investigate the question as we've been doing by seeking agreement with each other, we ourselves can be both jury and advocates at once. Certainly. Which approach do you prefer, I asked the second. Come on then, Sir I said. Answer us from the beginning. You said that complete injustice is more profitable than complete justice. I certainly do say that, and I've told you why. Well then, what do you say about this? Do you call one of the two a virtue and the other a vice? Of course. That is to say, do you call justice a virtue and injustice a vice? That's hardly likely, since I say that injustice is profitable and justice isn't. So what exactly do you say? Oh my God, Thrasymachus, the bad boy of Plato's Republic. Ready for his answer? I say the opposite. That justice is a vice? No, that's just very high-minded simplicity, Socrates. Then do you call being unjust being low-minded? No, I call it good judgment. You consider unjust people then, Thrasymachus, to be clever and good? Yes, yes. Those who are completely unjust, who can bring cities and whole communities under their power. Perhaps you think I meant pickpockets, not that such crimes aren't also profitable, but they're not found out, if they're not found out, but they're not worth mentioning in comparison to what I'm talking about. I'm not unaware of what you want to say, but I wonder about this. Do you really include injustice with virtue and wisdom and justice with their opposites? I certainly do, Socrates. Oh my gosh, that's harder. And it isn't easy now to know what to say. If if you had declared that injustice is more profitable but agreed that it's a vice and shameful as some others do, we could have discussed the matter on the basis of conventional beliefs. But now, obviously, you say that injustice is fine and strong and apply it to all the attributes we use to apply to virtue and wisdom, and uh, you dared include it with virtue. You've divined my views exactly, Socrates. Thrasymachus? literally sounds like a disney villain i love it nonetheless we mustn't shrink from pursuing the argument and looking into this just as long as i take you to be saying what you really think and i believe you aren't joking now the but are saying what you believe to be the truth what difference does it make to you socrates whether i believe it or not it's my account that you're supposed to be refuting it makes no difference, but try to answer this further question. Do you think a just person wants to outdo someone else who's just? Not at all, for it wouldn't be as polite and innocent as he'd like to think he is. Would, would outdoing someone be a just action? No, he doesn't even want to do that. And does he claim that he deserves to outdo an unjust person and believe that it is just for him to do so or doesn't he believe that? He'd want to outdo him and he'd claim to deserve to do so but he wouldn't be able. Pescemicus is like shading just people so hard which I take, you know, kind of personally having been named after the virtue of justice and all. That's not what I asked. But whether a just person wants to outdo an unjust person but not a just one, thinking this is what he deserves, he does. And what about an unjust person? Does he claim to deserve to outdo a just person or someone who does a just action? Of course he does. He thinks he deserves to outdo everyone. Then will an unjust person also outdo an unjust person or someone who does an unjust action, and will he strive to get the most he can for himself from everyone? He will, said the Shemikis. Then let's put it this way. A just person doesn't outdo someone like himself, but it's someone unlike himself, whereas an unjust person outdoes both like and unlike. Very well put. An unjust person is clever and good, and a just one is neither? That's well put too, Socrates. Oh my god, I feel like we're arguing with Jafar. It follows then that an unjust person is like clever and good people, while the other isn't? Of course that's so how could he fail to be like them when he has their qualities while the other isn't like them fine then each of them has the qualities of the people he's like of course all right do you call one person musical and another non-musical i do which of them is clever in music and which isn't a musical one is clever of course and the other isn't and the things he's clever and he's good in and the things he isn't clever and he's bad in Yes, and isn't the same true of a doctor? It is. Do you think that a musician, in tuning his lyre and tightening it and loosening the strings, wants to outdo another musician? I almost said magician. Wants to outdo another magician, claiming that this is what he deserves? I do not. But he doesn't want to outdo a non-musician necessarily. And what about a doctor? Does he, when prescribing food and drink, want to outdo the other doctor or someone who does the action that medicine prescribes? Certainly not. But does he want to outdo a non-doctor? Yes. In any branch of knowledge or ignorance, do you think that a knowledgeable person would intentionally try to outdo their knowledgeable people or say something better or different than they do rather than doing the very same thing that other knowledgeable people would do? Well, perhaps it must be as you say. And what about an ignorant person, Thrasymachus? Ooh, shots fired. Doesn't he want to outdo both a knowledgeable person and an ignorant one? Probably. A knowledgeable person is clever, I agree. A clever one is good, I agree. Therefore, a good and clever person doesn't want to outdo those like himself but those who are unlike him and his opposite. So it seems. But a bad and ignorant person wants to outdo both his like and his opposite, apparently. Now, Thrasymachus, we found out an unjust person tries to outdo those like him and those unlike him. Didn't you say that? And that a just person won't outdo his like but just his unlike? Yes. Then a just person is like a clever and good one, and an unjust is like an ignorant and bad one. It looks that way. Moreover, we agreed that each has the qualities of the one he resembles. Yes, we did. Then a just person has turned out to be good and clever, and an unjust person to be the ignorant and the bad. (sighs) Thrasymachus agreed to all of this, not as easily as I'm telling it, but reluctantly, with toil and trouble, and since it was summer, a great quantity of sweat that was a wonder to behold. And then I saw something I'd never seen before, Thrasymachus blushing. But in any case, after we agreed that justice is a virtue and wisdom, and that injustice is a vice and ignorance, I said again, all right, let's take that as established, but we also said that injustice is powerful. Don't you remember that, Thrasymachus? And at this point, I believe we will stop for the day. Um, and the question for part four, part four will be, is injustice powerful? Anyway, thanks for listening to Classics and Chill. You can find us on Instagram at Classics and Chill, or you can find me at Justine Byrne. And, uh. We'll get to part four as soon as we can.